0: The book of Ruth, divided very simply into four chapters. Each of the chapters as we will go through, you're going to see, takes place in a very distinct place. We see in chapter 1 here, it's going to take place in the country of Moab. Down outside of Israel, down past the Dead Sea, down in the further into the desert area. And it's the journey return to Jerusalem that we were going to see in these certain characters. Chapter 2 takes place in Bethlehem in the fields of Boaz. Then we'll see in chapter 3, it takes place in the threshing floor of the business of Boaz. And then in chapter 4, we will take place in the city gate of Bethlehem. And those are the four distinct teachings that we will see here. Now, the author is unknown of who wrote the book of Ruth. But as you study and look and see when this was written, it would lean to believe it was Samuel, more than likely, that would have been putting this to pen. Uh, quill to paper, quill to fabric, as the Holy Spirit moved them. It was written about 1010 to 970 BC, but it the actual thing that we're going to talk about, these, just the, the journey returned to Jerusalem, actually took place while Judges was going on, which was somewhere about three to four hundred. So it's the only Old Testament book named after an ancestor of Jesus Christ that we will see. Because Ruth was an ancestor, as we will go through this, after a non-Jew, because Ruth was not a Jew. She was a Moabitess, but also only one of two named books in the, in the scripture after a woman's name. Now, the main character, of course, is Ruth, and her name means friendship, which is key. Keep that in mind. And she is the great-grandmother of King David. And she is a picture of us, of the Bride of Christ. So you'll see the symmetry or the connection to the Bride of Christ or to the church and to Uh, Jesus Christ as we go through this book. That's why this is such an important and loved book by many. Then we see another person, another character in our story of Elimelech, means God is my king, and he is the husband of Naomi, who's another character. Her name means pleasant, who is the wife of Amalek. who happens to be the mother of two sons that they had. Melon means song, and Kilion means satisfaction. Now those names meant something when they named their children. Their children had a meaning at the time of their life when they had those children. Then there's a man named Boaz comes into a picture here as they return on their journey to Jerusalem and Boaz comes into the picture especially in chapter 2 and it's a picture or type of Kingsman Redeemer Goel Kingsman Redeemer who is the picture of Jesus Christ our Kingsman, Kingsman Redeemer and this all taking place in Bethlehem coming out of Moab And it means, Bethlehem means, the house of bread. Again, very important to remember that. And it's in this city where Jesus, the bread of life, would be born centuries later. Through the lineage of Ruth. No wonder there was such satisfaction in their lives. Here's Naomi, as we will see. Married to Elimelech in Jerusalem, Bethlehem, in this area, and they must have had a beautiful life. A Jewish family, a beautiful life, we can see in the names of who they are. God is my king, is what his name stands for. There was no question what kind of a family he came from. They worshiped the God Almighty. Naomi, just pleasant. She's just a pleasant, a good heart. She was just, this is who this this child was. They even had two children. They were singing to the Lord. The song, in satisfaction, they were just so content in God. Living the ideal life with God. You can see it played out, and they lived even, you know, God who was their king, and they lived in a place, the Jerusalem, uh, Bethlehem, called the house of bread. And as you know the scripture, as a family, we will always be happy as a family, as an individual, we will always be happy. We'll always be blessed. We'll always be have to be a, a successful. A people look at your life, they're successful people if we dwell in the house of bread, which is the Word of God. Do you want to have a happy, fulfilled, blessed life? You will dwell in the Word of God, and when we eat of the heavenly manna. We will experience earthly happiness and and fullness. How do we know that? Well, the scripture even tells us even more in Psalm 1. It declares that a man or a woman who meditates in his word, God's word, who delights in the law of the Lord will be like a tree whose leaf does not wither and don't dry up and become unstable. But we must plant our roots deep in the word of God to get that stability, to get the living water to pull up into, to be a healthy, strong. If we take in the word of God, if we study it, we meditate on it, we devour it, we make it top priority in our lives, we will find ourselves growing in strength and stability in your life. We will experience God's spout of blessing and fruitfulness. The love of God will be coming from your life, and it's throughout the book of Ruth. Bethlehem is always this is hyphenated with Judah. Judah means praise. Don't miss the connection here as we go through and and the the. Intimate correlation between the house of bread, which is the word of God, and praise. When you're in the house of bread, when you're in the word of God, the result will be praise and it will ascend toward God. It doesn't, The praise doesn't ascend to man. It will always ascend to God. And God will be praised and honored and glorified through it all when you do it God's way. The themes of the book of Ruth are three. Redemption, revival, and restoration. Beautiful, powerful words. But it's in this beautiful, powerful little love story of grace. This shows us clearly how the Lord can breathe life into a dead situation or into a dead life, into a life that appears lifeless or slowly dying, can bring back life into someone who is dying. Our Lord is a restorer. Our Lord is a rebuilder. Our Lord is a reviver. And the book of Ruth ministers to us in every aspect of that in the message of hope to anyone who feels wiped out, hurting, lost, or hopeless. The book of Ruth, if you really just, as we go through this, absorb that in as we study the word of God and may you be restored as if if that's where you find yourself in your life. Ruth chapter 1 verse 1 Now it came to pass in the days when the judges ruled that there was a famine in the land. So you can see when this was this actual thing was taking place during the during judges 3 to 400. And a time frame. And a certain man of Bethlehem Judah see that the the pairing there went to dwell in the country of Moab he and his wife and his two sons. So this account begins in the closing days of Judges. After a 400 year period of this general anarchy (laughs) and oppression and depression on the Israelites, when they were not ruled by the kings, but God brought in Judges of periodic deliverers whom God raised up when the nation finally would would seek after him because they weren't seeking after him. And it's when the days of Judges we just studied was ruled, actually dark days of Israel was taking place during those 400 years. It was a period characterized by a phrasing of, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. It was so selfish, so self-focused, so centered on what they could get out of and live their lives however they wanted to live. Who is, who is going to tell me how I get to live? It's so common even today, is it not? They're not really seeking God's will. They're just using God's will as a, a way of cloaking of what they want to do. Oh, Lord, don't tell, don't tell me because the Lord has shown me. How did he show you? Well, he's just shown me. Well, Okay, tell me, how did he show you? It's just being God. We're close. We, I, I'm just, you know, I... But how did he show you? Did he show you in the Word of God? Did he speak to you through the Word of God to show you? I mean, just saying it, many people have been deceived by that. And see, ch- starting here in chapter 1, we're introduced to a Hebrew family residing in the country of Ju- Judah, in the city of Bethlehem. Based on their names, it appears they had a good life. But what changed? Why are they leaving Bethlehem, why are they leaving J- J- Israel and Judah? Why are they going into the desert, into Moab? What causes someone to go where they're growing and it's good and it's right and it's pleasant and it's praiseworthy and they're worshiping and having kids and their their song and their satisfaction and their this definitions by the just the names alone? Why would a family pack up and then go move on? To another location. <laughs> why would you take that risk? If God's blessing you there, this family, why would they pick up and move to another place? Well, it appears. They packed up. Because something caused them to not trust in God. Or it was they were led by God. Which one is it? Well, we see it's a certain man. I already picked out Elimelech. We see in verse 2 here. In those days, a man here is sojourning, as a key word in this scripture, as we will see, to a country of Moab. That means it's supposed to be temporary. They weren't supposed to be Um, moving on as we will find out but they were pressurized why because there was a famine it says in the land well why would you pack up and leave with the famine? because you need food so is that the reason it just says there was a famine in the land so it appears they felt that it was better to go to a a non-jewish place outside of the promised land outside of where god is to go find find food and provision When you see these things, you have to kind of ponder real quick. Don't run read over it real quick, because famine, Bethlehem was a rich agricultural area. It was the house of bread. It was God's land. But it appears time, sometimes things get tough. So they went to a pagan land of Moab. To do this, they would have had to hike through the desolate Jericho pass, through the Judean wilderness near the Dead Sea, going across the Jordan River into the land of Moab. And this was a definite departure from the promised land that God said that God would provide for them here. God's promised land for Israel. Why are they returning toward the wilderness from which God had delivered those Israelites from hundreds of years before this. Why are they going back there? are clearly going in the wrong direction. Why are you going back to your old life? What's causing you to be in a place where there's satisfaction in God, and then you turn around and go back to the old life? Leaning on your own understanding is what happened going on feelings, that's what happens. And we'll see this kind of played out in this exactly those two things. Because this famine, God... Remember, know the scripture. We studied Deuteronomy chapter eleven, verses thirteen through seventeen. God said He would promise to provide for His people in His land, but if you walk away from Me, then you don't have that promise anymore. And if that happens, He warns us in that that there would be a famine in the land on you to bring you to a understanding that you've walked away from Me. Famine is going to set in the land on you, and it's going to cause problems. You're going to have problems in your life. So, obviously, what took place is, they, at this period of time, as we studied through Judges, they were looking at whatever they saw, whatever they want to do, they leaned on their own understanding, whatever pleased them, and when they walked away from God, God said, I told you, years, thousands of years, I'm going to bring famine on the land. I'm going to get, I'm going to get your attention. So I'm just going to bring famine. So now you're getting hungry and nothing's going to be blessings. And there's, no, there's a dryness that's going to set in on your life. And you're like wondering why you're so dry. Because I told you that if you're disobedient, it's exactly what's going to happen. And it did. So they didn't, instead of coming back to God, they said, at this family looked at each other and said, hey, all of our neighbors are going. We don't know why they went with anybody else, but more than likely, they didn't travel by themselves. They went and sojourned. They to leave with the intention to return. They knew they were going to come back, but they left. And the next verse we will see tells us the name of the the man in this family. But notice here as we look at this, this short visit turned into 10 tragic filled years. And we will find out that this man, Elimelech, who took his family, never returns. See, when famine can hit one's life, if you are having a difficult time praising and worshiping, if you feel far removed from Judah, the place of praise, it could be because you are not dwelling in Bethlehem, the house of bread, the word of God. We always have to check that. And once you're dwelling in the word, you can't help but become a worshiper of God. That is how that works. But here's the tragedy of them as a family deciding to go and leave the promises of God and going back to the almost the direction of the old life, a place where they're leaning on their own understanding, and they're and we find right here in verse 2 the name of the man is Elimelech, the wife, and the name of his wife was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were uh, Milon and Kilion and Ephrathites of Bethlehem and Judah, and they went to the country of Moab and remained there. Then Elenelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left, and her two sons. Now they took wives of the women of Moab, uh oh, and the name of one of them was Orpah. And the other name of, of the other was Ruth. And they dwelt there about ten years. Then both Melon and, uh, and Kil- Kilion also died. So the woman survived her two sons and her husband. Whoo! Tragedy. <laughs> heavy, heavy, heavy for a woman in those days... That is, that, is, that is the worst case scenario for a woman at that age. That is the worst case scenario for Naomi. To lose your husband and lose your sons who are to then provide for you, and you're at an age where you can't remarry, it is, the, it is a death sentence almost for her. Because she has to beg and rely upon anyone who will be willing to help her to keep her alive. But we see this guy goes and takes his family and left, and then because of a family and prodding, as we will see, maybe because of the prodding of his wife that says, we gotta do something. We have to feed our boys and we gotta feed, so let's go get some food. We gotta go, let's go. Whatever how that all that conversation played out, they all went. Thinking it would be easier for a short period of time and then we would come back, but they did not find it easier going and thinking, let's just pack up. We'll come back probably, but let's go for a season and let's go down there and let's do the thing and we'll probably come back. We'll just sojourning. Like, you get to have that choice. Did you even see God, the fact that that's what God wanted to do? We don't see any signs of that. And we find some tragedy. We find out that he it's not easier. Matter of fact, it's destruction. He dies out there in a foreign land, his wife Naomi was left to care for her two boys. So what does she do? She leans on the fact that I better get these two boys married. So what does he do? What does she do? She helps and coordinates her two boys to marry two Moab women who they're not supposed to, based on God's law. You're not to marry outside the Israelite. But there are no Israelites down there, <laughs> they were in foreign land. So he's she's got her two boys now married to non-believers, non-Jews. Because I gotta get them married. I don't have a husband, and she's gotta get they's gotta marry, they got married, they got to have their own babies. This is you can see the conversation going on. How could a famine inflict the house of, of bread, the place of praise? Go back in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. He very clearly evident that they were not to do that. See, we have to understand, you turn away from the Lord, the result is always going to be a dry, difficult, dreary times in your life. Oh, but I'm in the Word. But are you in the Word and applying it to your life? They're, they're different. I just come to, sh- I show up at church. But do you come with an open heart to receive and praise God? To give. To give your life? Or are you looking to see what you can get out of it? Are you really seeking God? Are you worried about everyone else around you? My precious family, I don't care who you are or how close to God you might be right now, but you and I, if we take our eyes off of Jesus, you can bet. No question. There will come a time in our walk, our seasons of life, there will become dryness and times of difficulty. It's a guarantee. The question is, what do you do with that? Do you run and think you have to go change locations? To somehow get not be so dry and, and so dreary and so down and difficult? No. The time is to dip, Deeper in the word of God and praising God and getting and focusing where God has you. Not running. 2 Chronicles 7 teaches that the cure for famine in one's life is to remain where you are and call upon God. Don't run. Now we don't know if this is a direct hand of God and God's judgment against them because they left. And it's sometimes difficult to discern why tragic things happen in our lives. Not always because you were running. But what is certain is that the change of location didn't make things better. We sometimes think we can move away from our problems. But fine, we just bring them with us. No matter where you go, you bring yourself with you. And so the same problems can continue in a different place. That's all. God says, I want to do a change. I want to do a fresh work in you. Right where you're at. And so what do we see? Melon and Kilion grew, took wives among the Moabite women, named Orpah and Ruth. And again, this was not in obedience to God. No, no, God commanded the Israelites to not marry among the pagan nations surrounding them. But they actually chose to live in the pagan life. And it wasn't just a short visit, it turned into 10 years, a much longer, drier season and loss than ever before. Verse 6. Then we see that return, that journey return. It says, "Then she arose with her her daughters-in-law that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab that the Lord had visited his people by giving them bread. Therefore she went out from the place where she was and her two daughters-in-law with her, and they went on the way to, to return to the land of Judah. So she's there far away. She must have heard people coming and going and said, Hey, God has has stopped the famine, brought some food. It's time to, we got to, she's like, I've lost everything. It's time for me to go back to God. Go back to his promised land. Go back to the Israelite family. Go back to where we need to be. Where we started from. And it's interesting because she heard And she took the step of faith because she heard that God was doing good things back in Israel. And she wanted to be part of the good things that God was doing. She's now got her eyes on God. Her eyes are back on God now. It's like our life. Our life with God should make others want to come back to the Lord just by looking at our life. Our walk with the Lord should cause people who are non-believers or believers who've walked away to something in your life that says, I want that life. I want that blessed life. I want that stability. I want that joy. And it should cause people to see your light and be drawn to it. Right back to Jesus. And so what happened? She went out from that place where she was, Naomi was a part of this culture now for 10 years. Many hear of the good things that God is doing in the lives of others. And many times, like, oh man, look what God's doing in that person's life. Whoa, look, did you hear about what God's going there? And a lot of people listen and hear what's going on in other people's lives, and while God is blessing them and changing them, but they only wish they could have some of it. They only wish. Instead of actually setting out to receive it, they only wish they could have it because they're not willing to take the steps of faith to go do what they're doing. But not Naomi. Naomi could have stayed in Moab all her life wishing things were different. But she did something to receive what God had to give her and that is to draw her back in to God's promises. Verse 8, And Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law. Go and return each to your mother's house. Don't come with me here. The Lord deal kindly with you. Here's a a blessing upon them, right? The Lord is blessing. She's praying over. The Lord deal kindly with you as you have dwelt with the dead and with me. You've put up with a lot being with me. You've watched your Husbands die, my, my husband died, you've been dealing with death, you've been dealing with me. I am she's just hanging on. And she's praying, Lord, the Lord kindly deal with you. The Lord grant that you may find rest. How? Each in the house of her husband. I pray that you go back to your people and you find a husband and you find rest for your souls there. Then she kissed them. And they lifted up their voices and wept. Oh, this is their mother-in-law. Naomi was their mother. They took care of, they've gone through tragedy together. Their closeness is incredible. But she's sitting there going, I'm going back to my people. This is your people. This is where you're coming from. This is where your, your parents are. Go back to your mother. Get married. Have a wrestle, start a new life. I'm, I'm setting you free. You, I know you're obligated to be with me, but I cannot have you be obligated with me. I need you to go. You could be free from all of this. So Naomi's freely blessing them. She's praying that they get married and they just go. She, I'm going to l- release you here. But don't miss what she, what she says here. In Ruth, in verse 9. How did she describe marriage? Naomi described marriage as a place of rest. The Lord grant that you may find rest in each in the house of her husband. So God intends that each marriage be a place and a source of rest and peace and refreshment in one's life. And then we see this emotion of just knowing that She's saying, "Ladies, you got it, you can go you can you I know you have obligation to me, but no longer. How does she say it? Look in verse ten through thirteen, and then they said to her, Surely we will return with you into your people. They're committed to her, they loved her. But Naomi said, no, no, turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? There's no reason. There's no. You don't have to come with me. Are there still sons in my womb? I can't give you another son to marry here. That they may be your husbands. Turn back, my daughters. Go, for I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should I." If I should have a husband tonight, should also bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Even if I got married tonight and had two sons, you're not going to wait for them to get old enough to even be married. Would you restrain yourselves from having husbands? Oh, no, 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 you wouldn't do that. I don't want that for your life. No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sakes that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. So Naomi's having some pressure problems here. She's she's having uh, that that remorse, the guilt complex, those things that come out for if someone loses someone, they have this this moment where I'm still alive and, and is it my fault? All these things can go in people's minds. She certainly is reflecting and saying, is it because we went to Moab? And is it because we had you marry um, women who were against God's law? Now God's bringing the judgment on us because we left Israel. We, we had you marry these foreign women, these non-believers. She's having a lot of pressure on her. Because according to the laws of Israel, uh, ancient Israel, If a young woman was left widowed without having had a son, then one of her deceased husband's brothers was responsible for being a surrogate father. So you know there's a possible, that pull of going back to the homeland, back to Bethlehem. And hopefully being able to, to provide. But we'll see what, you know, this is what the law said. But here Naomi says to these I don't have sons anymore. Ladies, you've got to go back. You've got to get married. You've got to start over, and it's good and right. But obviously, this was a very heavy, 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 heavy thing on Naomi's heart and mind. She's felt the calamity, the, felt the, the, this, this weight of just watching her husband die and her sons die before her. And that guilt was too much. The the, the pressure is too much. The weight is too much. She says, the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. So she was very confident. Even despite if this is just a feeling, she thinks the Lord's hand is, Naomi is going back to the land of Israel, going back to her God. So now she's moving in the right direction. So even if it's just a feeling, even if it's not even really the Lord's hand really putting a hand... Again, God can move move us here, and through some situations, she's being moved back toward God. She's not moving away from where God is blessing. God is moving her to a place where God can bless her. And though she felt that the hand of the Lord was going out against me, she says, she did not know. She did not grow bitter against God. She didn't turn bitter. She returned to God in repentance. She's starting and came back. Knowing that the answer is drawing closer to him, not going further from him is the answer in one's life. See, Naomi doesn't accuse God of doing something wrong against her. She acknowledged his total control over the circumstance. It was actually an expression of trusting him. God has his hand on me on this situation. And she's not bitter. She's not angry. She just recognized God and she knows she needs to come back to God. Because if she was bitter and if she was angry, she would not be going back to the promised land. She would be staying right there or going even further away from the promises of God. Instead she showed that she trusted the sovereignty of God and knew that despite her personal calamities, her feelings, she knew that God is a good God who blesses. What Naomi could not see is that the hand of God would go out for her very shortly, and there, everything will change. When you come back to God, everything changes. When there's repentance, everything changes. The situations change. God comes into, it clearly into your life of showing how he's guiding through this. And so there's going to be, is never a reason for us to despair. There is no reason to despair. If we believe the hand of the Lord has gone out against you or before you. If we will return to him. His hand will go out for us again, not against us. But Naomi had no idea. Not even the slightest of how this whole her life was going to play out now. She was just going to go back to God, back to the place where she needed to be. She didn't know how great God was going to bless her in a very short period of time after repenting and choosing to go come back to Him. She didn't know that. Look in verse 14, "...Then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her." So, hey, they had a choice. These two young ladies had a choice. The daughters-in-law had a choice. Come and continue and go back. Come with me to Israel to go where I'm going to go back to God. And Orpah cried, kissed her, and said, I'm going to go back to my mother's house. Just like you have prayed for the blessing. But Ruth clung to her. Both felt deeply for Naomi. Loved her both. Both were anxious about the future. What's my future going to be like now since I lost my husband? But a choice had to be made. A choice has to be made. And Oprah chose to stay in Moab. Ruth clung to Naomi. See, there comes a place in our lives. You will make a choice. Following after God. Where it comes down to doing it. It's not just by feeling, but you must be do it. Ruth and Orpa both felt the same feelings, but Ruth did action and definitely an action pursuing God differently than Orpah. See, some in the Christian faith, in the Christian world, some some are content with just feeling having Christian feelings. And that's good enough for them. I'm a Christian. And they have a feeling of a love for God with a feeling of love for this His Word and with His feeling of love for His people. And they have these feelings for their love for God and their love for the Word and the love for the people. But what will you do more than just feel? Will you serve God? Will you be obedient to God? Will you follow God? Will you respond to when he says for you to do something? Will you respond in obedience? Because we see in John three sixteen, if God just feels love toward us, and that's all he does, then you and I are not saved. But our Lord not only felt, he did. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. So it wasn't just feeling, it was action in line with that that feeling. And that needs to be for us as well. We must do, not just feel. Verse 15, and she said, look Your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. So I'm giving you one more chance there, Ruth. But Ruth said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Meaning wherever you're going to live, I'm going to live. Your people shall be my people. And your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me and more also. If anything but death parts you and me. Wow. That is full out committed. And when she saw that she was determined to go with her. Naomi just stopped speaking to her. Meaning she wasn't going to try to convince her because there was no convincing. She has already made a determination. I am going to follow your God. I'm going to follow and live with your people. I'm I'm going to fellowship, be part of your family. I'm committed. This is not some little, let's try the Christianity thing out. And if I don't like it, I tried it, and I'll go back, kind of a thing. I'll go back to my old life. I'll go find something else. Maybe, you know, the Amorites will be another choice. No. I am committed. There is no, I drew drew a line, I'm stepping over, there's no return. This is huge, right? This is like no, every, this is even, this is incredible outstanding. This is like a friend-to-friend commitment kind of a deal. Like, I, we're doing this together. I'm not leaving you. This was more than a change of address, right? Okay, let's go try something new. I've always wanted to live on another coast or live in the south. Let's go try it, you know. Come on, sweetheart. Let's back up. And let's go see what the south is like. <laughs> no. It's not that kind of thinking. Ruth was willing to forsake the Moabite gods she grew up with and embrace the God of Israel. She decided to follow the Lord. I had decided to follow Jesus. That's what she was singing. There's no question that was what she was singing on that road back up. She was committed. Gentile woman, once far, far from God, had drawn near to him. And why? Because Naomi, who she knew and loved, had a relationship with God. And that impacted her. Do you see how important it is to live our life in such a way that pleases God? Because people are watching your life and they will commit to the same Savior of the one you worship. They could be the farthest from God, all into all kinds of other gods and other kinds of things. But they see your life and they can come to Jesus because they watched your life played out. no pressure See Naomi didn't have an easy life They didn't she didn't choose Ruth didn't say Naomi go oh you're so healthy and wealthy and wise that's because that's I that's what I want No 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 She lost everything she had nothing We find out she was not even filled with joy and filled with happiness. She was in absolute despair and depression. And even through that, God used it to draw her because she saw something in Naomi and realized Naomi is now choosing to rely upon God through this difficult situation in life. And it's true today. Through your difficulties as you're fellowshipping and people are seeing your life and how you're going through difficulties, that actually can draw people to Christ. Not the veneer, oh, I have a perfect little Christian life here, and everything's perfect. Oh, bless you, my brother. Everything's rosy when you walk through the doors. And then when you walk back out, it's absolute chaos and darkness. No, no, no. People see your life in the highs, the mountaintop experience, and also in the depths of despair and, and and loss in your life, like a husband or a wife or your children. They've lost. People will be drawn to Christ because you are pursuing God through these difficult situations, these valleys. Because she saw Naomi trust in God and turn toward him in tough times and will often, in this case, it drew Ruth. It didn't Orpah. She just went back to say, how can I get my life together? Not knowing the blessings of following God. Verse 19, now the two of them went until they came to Bethlehem. And it happened when they had come to Bethlehem that all the city was excited because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? Naomi? But she said to them, Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went out full, and the Lord has brought me home again empty. Why do you call me Naomi, since the Lord has testified against me, and the Almighty has afflicted me? I'm just bitter I'm, I'm just, I am just I'm done I'm, I'm, I'm broken see it was a long walk from Moab to Bethlehem most of it was uphill can you imagine the conversation between her and Ruth all the way home what is it going to be like I don't know will they remember me I don't know what is it going to be like are they going to accept us I don't know What happened? They walk in, open arms. They're excited to see them. You're back. It's like the prodigal son and the father just running to the the son who had left and went out to the world of Moab and now coming back and this father's like excited to see the son come back. She said, "I'm not. I'm not pleasant anymore." <laughs> I'm bitter here. I'm bitter. I the weight, and, and I, I have, I've lost everything. I'm, I'm not there. I've, I've, I've brought it upon myself. That I am just, it's more bitter for her and herself. She was actually self-loathing herself because she walked away from the God of Israel. Made bad choices. And the Almighty has to de- had dealt with me. Because Naomi understood what took place in her life was not because of chance. It wasn't because of blind fortune, like I had just bad luck. She understood of God's affliction. But because she couldn't see the end of her life story and her journey, the journey of returning, she did not know that God was taking this really terrible situation and turning it in for good because she loves God. She understood there was a sovereign God of heaven and she knew she needed to come back. This wasn't some bad luck, good luck. just just happened. No, no. She knew that she needed to turn around and not be bitter against the Lord, but she understood the weight of uh, the consequences and issues and decisions that she made and that, that being away from God was causing all kinds of problems. I needed to come back to the Lord because I want to get right with Him once again. And she chose to draw closer to him and not keep the distance. So verse 22, And so Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabitess, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab, now they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of barley harvest. Oh, that is an important little moment here because it didn't take long, did it? Soon as she comes in, Everyone's excited to see her, bringing her back in. God's timing and her timing of working this out is at the beginning of barley harvest. It's a whole new season in life for her because Naomi chose to repent to humble herself and to be honest and knew that she was being afflicted by the Almighty and the fact that it was coming upon her that the Almighty would, she didn't know if God was going to bless her or not. She just knew she needed to come back to God. That's all that mattered. I need to go back to God. She humbled herself. She was honest. She was telling. She didn't say, Oh, you know, it just happened to be. And it just, you know, some people will sit there when they have challenges in their lives, they'll jump church to church so they can go to another church and act like nothing happened in their life. So people think they could, then everything's perfect in their life. And if they go gone to enough churches, then they'll leave and go to a completely different location, a completely different state, so that we can start fresh, so no one knows us there, so we can pretend like everything is perfect in our Christian little life. I've seen it played out more times than I can even count. And I watch and I see their lives never get better. I've never seen one example of life getting better. Most who leave and run because they never even stay with the Lord. The marriages do not work out. Kids, kids go rogue. I mean, it just goes on and on. No, no. Naomi repented, humbled, honest, and came back to the Lord. It would have been easier for Naomi just to focus on what she had lost. She had lost a husband and two sons and a daughter-in-law. She had lost all kinds of material possessions. She was full, now she has nothing. She had left one daughter-in-law, and now she has Ruth who's with her. But through that one thing that she left, God was going to bring unbelievable blessings into her life. All the good that happens in the future chapters begins right here her return back to God. Because of Naomi's godly repentance and her humbleness and being honest, her honesty with the people, with God, it makes a complete change and difference in her life. Not only in her life, but even in the life of her daughter-in-law, Ruth. Ruth. When you choose to change, repent and humble yourself and come back to God, it not only changes your life, but it could change your entire family and your kid's life. It is possible for God to accomplish amazing things, both for now and eternity, if we will just turn toward him today. Not only in your feelings, but also in your actions. The journey starts now to return. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you again for your promises and your love and your grace upon our lives. And what a blessing it is that we can rejoice where we're at because we're just been focused on you and loving you and serving you and just wanting to be in your presence and to just be in your, among your people and to just to serve you, whatever you're calling us to do, Lord, to reach the loss and encourage those in the faith, Lord, we are just rejoicing where we're finding ourselves in this season. But Lord, if there's anyone here that's finding their season like Naomi, one of dryness, one of dreariness, maybe even one of depression, may you may they look up to you and choose to come back to you and worship and praise you and to serve you because you're you're their, your other you're god you're yours the savior and there's security and safety and joy when we dwell in your presence. And we're at where you want us to be at. We thank you and praise you for this evening. Go before us, I pray, in Jesus' name. Amen.